Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Welcome to our online experience today, everybody. For those of you watching online, we have a small group. We're under the legal limit. Sounds like a driving alcohol test, but we're under the legal limit here in the building today, and we're practicing social distancing. And so all of the people in the room today are representing all of you watching online. Wherever you are watching online today, we welcome you. You know what? We're actually going to start with prayer right now. So if I could just ask everybody in the room, we're going to stand up, and wherever you are, if you could just stand up, we're just going to spend a few seconds in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for your word today. We just open up our hearts and our minds to you. We just thank you, Lord, that in this time that you bring us perfect peace, we put our trust in you, Lord, in every way. We just thank you, Lord, for your word today, that it is changing lives. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, I just have a couple comments again before we get into uh, the message. You know, we're living in very uncertain times, and when we are living in a time like this, you know, there's a constant news coming up uh, daily, different things happening around the world, and what it can cause us to do, it can cause us to get a little bit unsteady. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It feels like you take a blow, and then you take another blow, and then something else happens, and then they shut down your favorite restaurant, and then something else happens, and then there's another thing on the news. And so as I was looking in the scripture today, I found this verse here in Isaiah 33, uh, verse 5 and 6, and the prophet says this, the Lord is exalted, for he who dwells on high will fill Zion with justice. Zion is just the mountain of God and righteousness, and he will be the stability of your times, abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of of the Lord is Zion's treasure. And once again, that fear just means reverence, that we would reverence God. But listen to this phrase again. He will be the stability of your times. And that's what we need to look to right now in this time that is unstable. There's a lot of uncertainty. Who knows what's coming up on the news tomorrow? But he will be the stability of this time, that we will lean on God in this time. And he is unshakable. You know, the scripture tells us in the New Testament that Jesus is the cornerstone. In other words, the strongest spot, the steadiest spot in the house. And that's what we're going to lead on this time. We're not going to look to the news. The news is going to be unsteady and it's going to be uncertain. But God will be the stability of our time. So thankful for that scripture today. All right. Well, we are in week three of a series that we have called Making Room for a Miracle. So we know everybody in the room has their devices on their Bibles, on their devices and taking out. If you're at home watching this today, go grab your actual paper Bible. You have time. You can pause the video. Go grab your Bible. Grab a piece of paper. Uh, take some notes as we are just spending time in the Word of God today. You know, and as I was thinking about an online message. You know, when, when you're at church and the message might go a little bit too long and you're not sure if you want to go to the bathroom, if you're watching at home, you can just pause, go to the bathroom and come back. So that means, that means I can preach a really long time. 
All right, so we are looking at uh, the miracles in the scripture, the New Testament and the Old Testament. And what we're wanting to discuss in this series is we want to make room for the miraculous in our lives. One of the things that we know that Jesus was famous for is he would go around and he'd be working miracles, these amazing miracles um, in so many different places. He was famous for miracles. And what we want to do in our lives, even though we can't force God to do a miracle in our lives, what we can do is we can position ourselves for the power of God. There's tremendous principles in the scripture for us to see these stories and the things that people did and how they made space for the activity of God in their lives. And that's what we want to do as we dive into these stories and look at the scripture says we want to make way for God to be moving in our lives, specifically in this time. Don't we want God to be moving in our lives in the world today? And so we want to just make space for whatever God wants to do in our lives that he can do. So we want to position ourselves. We want to get ready. And we've been using the metaphor uh, as it relates to sports. You know, if you play basketball at all, you know, one of my coaches would always teach me to when you're on offense, you would face the person that has the ball and you would have your hands ready so that you could receive a pass. We want to be in position. Um, If you played hockey and you played offense, you were standing in front of that, you would have your stick on the ice to get ready to receive the puck. And this is what we want to do with God. We want to be ready when he sends his power our way. We actually want to be in position. We want to be in the right position. We want to make way for whatever God would do in our lives. So a miracle is just a supernatural event. It's a divine act, something only God can do. It's an anomaly. It's it's transcending the ordinary powers of nature. And in the scripture, we see miracles of healing, provision, timing, and especially what I've been saying and emphasizing, that everybody has different needs in their lives. And that's where we want God to show up in those areas. It might be different for individuals and different families, but we want to get ourselves into position to agree with God. Don't you think it's a good idea to agree with God, to be on God's side? And this is what we're talking about in this series, to agree with whatever God would want to do. Now, it was interesting in the ministry of Jesus that there were that he would go places and people would love to hear his message messages and see his miracles. But then there was always another group of people, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time that were against what Jesus was doing. And in fact, they would be angry with him. In other words, they would disagree with him. And and for for many of those individuals, they didn't see the activity of God in their lives. And they were confused by why God would do things for the people who weren't religious. Or in fact, they were the bad people of the time, maybe the tax collectors and the sinners. And then the religious people, the people that supposedly knew God, they were angry at the things God was doing. But I never want to get to that place in my life where I'm not agreeing with God. I always want to be on the side of God. And we see this verse here in Matthew chapter 13. It's a really interesting verse. And it says this in verse 57. Jesus was actually in his own hometown and he was talking to people who knew him and had seen him grow up and he was preaching to them. And then after that, in verse 57, it says, and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, the prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And listen to this verse in verse 58. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Other places, Jesus worked miraculous things and multitudes got healed. 
But here in his own hometown, the place where he had grown up, it says what? They were offended at him. In other words, they got crossways with God. And then what happened? He didn't do many mighty things there. One of the other translations, it said he just laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And another translation says he couldn't actually do any mighty work. Why? Because of their unbelief, not making room for the things of God. In a situation, in a circumstance like this that's going on in our world today, depending on how we think about God or how we've been taught about God... You know, we could look at a negative circumstance that's happening globally around the world, and we could think, well, we could say to ourselves, well, I thought God was a good God. And then I'm looking at the world today, and what's happening in the world today, none of us would say this is a good thing. We know people are dying from a virus, and people are confused, and there's a lot of uncertainty. And what could happen to us, we can look at the circumstances of the world, and we could kind of get angry at God, and we could be offended Because we don't actually understand who God is. And with having a great New Testament understanding of the character and nature of God, it's so important for us to go back to the scripture. And one of the things that Jesus taught us about the character and nature of God, in in the what we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, He said, God, we want your will on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus was asking us to pray for the will of God on earth where we are as it is in heaven. In other words, in heaven, there's no hindrance to the will of God. But on earth, there is. There's man's choices. There's decisions. And what the whole story of the scripture tells us is the world is not the way God intended. Because of the sin of man, because of the choices of man... The world is a messed up place. And so Jesus is wanting, he's asking us to pray for the will of God uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And, and so that teaches a couple of things that we should be praying, that we should want the will of God. But then the other thing it teaches us is that everything that happens on the earth is not the will of God. Everything that we see happening on the earth today is not the will of God. Why? Because we know God is a good God. James chapter 1 tells us that there is no shadow of turning in God. He is holy, only good. So we don't look at negative circumstances in the world and in our lives and from that try to take the will of God. We know as we look at Jesus, as we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, he only did good things. He only healed people. He never made anybody sick. And Jesus is the greatest expression of the will of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews. So we don't, in a circumstance like this, we don't want to get frustrated with God because God is never the problem. God is never our problem. We don't want to be offended by God because why? We're just going to be operating in unbelief. What do we want to do? We want to open ourselves wide. Say, God, whatever you would want to do in our lives, we know that this thing that steal, that steals from us and kills and destroys the world, we know that's not from you. We know that you are a good God. And so what do we want to do? We want to open ourselves to the goodness of God. And what is the goodness of God? What do we see revealed in the ministry of Jesus? We see healing. We see restoration. We see good things. And that's what we want to think about. And that's what we want to position ourselves for is the goodness of God. So what do you want to be? We don't want to be in unbelief. We don't want to be unfaithful to the will of God. We don't want to be stubborn based on an offense. 
What do we want to do? Focus on the goodness of God, who God is, who Jesus revealed God to be. So last week, we looked at a couple of different healings in the ministry of Jesus, and we focused on the idea of faith. So, so far in this series, we've talked about um, how obedience positions us for the miraculous. It gets us in, into the spot where we're making room for God to operate in our lives. And then last week, we focused on this idea of faith. And this is kind of the second part of that message, because there's just so much that Jesus talks about as it relates to faith in our lives. Now, as we defined last week, faith is three different things we're emphasizing. It's trust in, it's reliance on, and it's being persuaded about who God is. I'm going to say it again if you're taking notes. Trust in God. Reliance on God. And then it's being persuaded about the character and nature of God. That God is a good God. So we're thinking about these things. God, I can put my trust in you right now in this season. I can put my trust in you to walk through this season with me. That you are always with me. That I can rely on you right now and every day. And then I'm persuaded about your goodness. I have faith in your goodness. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now that word confidence also has uh, the meaning of the ground uh, or, or the ground that we would walk on. Faith is the ground. In other words, I'm stepping on what God would say. I'm relying on what God would say. I'm trusting in what God would say. The the scripture tells us that underneath are his everlasting arms. And that's what we have faith in. We're persuaded about the character and nature of God. And then I can walk on that word, metaphorically speaking. I I can step out on what God says, that that I, I can trust him. That I can rely on him. I can be persuaded about his goodness. So faith is the ground I'm standing on as it relates to God. It's not just nothingness. It's not just emptiness. Oh, I'm standing on the word of God. I'm standing on who I see Jesus is and I see the character and nature of God. So we can be confident in the love of God, the nature of God, the thoughts of God, the ways of God. So there's one story uh, we're going to look at today, and this is um, a healing uh, of a man's son. And we're going to read about here in John chapter 4. Now, in the first week when we looked at where the water was turned to wine, this is the second miracle recorded in the Gospel of John. And it has some great detail, and then it shows us once again how to position ourselves for the power of God. So it says this in verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. So in another city, so he was in Cana, and there was another official who was from Capernaum, and his son was ill in that city. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point... Of death. How many think this is a serious situation? This would be a really difficult situation for a family to go through. Verse 48, Jesus responds this way. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now that's not necessarily the response that you get, that you want to get when you come to Jesus. 
You know, a couple of the other stories we see, Jesus said, okay, I'll come right away. And, you know, yeah, I'll do whatever you would ask. One of the stories we looked at last week with the, with the centurion servant, Jesus said, well, I'll come. And the you know, woman said, no, you don't need to come. But then here, Jesus responds in a completely different way because we have a different person. And they have some different things going on in their lives. And then we see here in verse 49, it says, the official. So in other words, somebody who's used to having people do what they say. Somebody says something and then, oh, I'm like it when people respond to me. This guy had some sort of power, some sort of um, office. And then he said, the official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said, go, your son will live. Now, just some simple geography will help us with this story that where Jesus was and where this uh, man's sick child was, was about 16 miles, 16 to 18 miles, maybe 25, 28 kilometers away. And this was called a day's journey. So back then, if you didn't have a horse uh, or, you know, chariot of some kind that you had to walk and that's how far you could walk in about a day. Now, this is obviously pre any technology, but here in this moment where this guy is asking Jesus to come to his house to heal his son, Jesus says, go, your son will live. It's not like he can text home. It's not like he can call. He's not like, hey, you know, hold on, I'm just going to jump on my car. Just stay right there, Jesus. I'm going to drive home and see how he's doing because I still might need you to come. He, he couldn't do that. He had to walk for a day. To get to his house. How many of you know this would be a really long walk? And there would be some things that we would have to focus on because your son is at the point of death. And you had heard about this miracle that Jesus did. We know that he was a miracle worker. And so you're there and you're talking to Jesus. He doesn't exactly respond the way that you would want him to respond. And he, and then he, but then he says this thing, go your way. Your son is going to live. So you're looking at Jesus and you're, you're trying to figure out what he's trying to say. But then you've got to walk 16 to 18 kilometers home. How many of you know on the way home your thoughts could play, could play on your mind? But what if your son is dead? Go back and get Jesus. What, what about this and what about that? And what if it didn't work? Just the difficulty about what we would focus on. And we all have this struggle in our lives. See, here we know and we would say, well, if Jesus said it, of course I'm going to believe it. But here's this guy. He has no ability to look in the scripture. I mean, he's like real life looking at Jesus. And he heard that Jesus did a great miracle, but he doesn't necessarily think he's the Messiah. He's not necessarily from a Jewish background. That he has a choice in the moment to believe what Jesus said. And see, we live here constantly. This is where we always live. In the middle of the uncertainty, I don't actually know if my son's getting any better. I don't know if there's any change happening. But God said something to me. And then in that moment, I ha- I'm, am I going to choose to believe what God is saying to me? Or am I going to get offended about what was said to me? Am I going to get offended at the circumstances and be confused by the circumstances. And get crossways at, with God by looking at circumstances. You know, God is always speaking life to us. 
God is always speaking healing to us. The question is, are we going to position ourselves to be receptive to the things that God is saying to me? Jesus said, go, your son will live. Listen to the next phrase. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. What does that mean? I believe the word that was spoken. What is that? That's faith. I put my trust in you. I rely on what you said. I'm persuaded that what you said is true. I'm I'm persuaded that what you said is true regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how I feel in this moment. That, That you are saying something to me, God. You're trying to get your message across to me. And we all live on this long walk home. 16 kilometers, a day's journey. But then in life, when we're living out life circumstances, you know, you you can have a dream and then that dream might take place five years later, 10 years later. Should I keep going up the scale? We don't don't want to keep going up the scale, right? We're like, "I, I just want it right now. I just want it right now in this moment. But we're all living on this journey home. What has God said to me from his will and from his ways and from his word? He said something to me. I have a choice. Am I going to believe what he says? Am I going to act on what he's saying to me, what he wants to give me, what he wants to experience? Or am I just going to stay and argue? I'm like, the circumstance is this, the circumstances are this, and the circumstances are this. See, don't. Don't we think that God knows what the circumstances are? And what do we want to do a lot of times? We're like, hey, God, if you didn't notice, just wanted you to know. Just in case you can't see up in heaven around the angels today. That I still have this thing. Or I still have this dream. And I haven't walked in it yet, God. But I know what you said to me. He says, go home. Your son will live. So we're walking on the journey home. All of us are on the journey. We have the choice every day to open ourselves up to the miraculous, to get ourselves into the position to receive God's power. But how? I'm just going to believe what you say, Lord. I know I don't see it right now. I don't see, I don't see a change in the moment, and I can't text ahead to find out. Don't you want to text yourself a year from now? Like, hey, just want to know what happened to COVID and how long the whole thing took to play out. Because, you know, this is going to play out, right? It is going to end and it's going to be over. But we, ha- we don't have right now, we don't have the end date. And we can, we can try to put pressure on our elected officials and tell us the date. But the date doesn't matter. But what we know is from the teachings of Jesus is the withness of God. And that means he is with me. I don't have to be offended about the circumstances. I know that he's journeying with me from the time he spoke to me all the way to the fulfillment of the dream. All the way to the spot where my son is healed or whatever the thing is for your life. God has said it. God has said something to you. The question is, what are we going to do with it? 
we're going to rely on him, put our trust in him, be persuaded about who he is, or are we just going to reiterate the circumstances and go over the circumstances? No, we're going to believe what he said. Go your way. Your son, will, your son will live. The man believed that the word that Jesus spoke and went on his way. Verse 51. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told, told him that his son was recovering. Verse 52. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. That he put his trust in what Jesus said. And what happened? It said he began to amend the moment that God says his word to you. That's when things begin to change. And then sometimes we just can't see it. Why? Because we're on the journey there. We're on the day's journey. We're on the journey to the fulfillment of the thing that God said. God is always on the move. God is always working. We just can't always see it with our physical eyes. But what are we doing? We're putting our trust in who God is, what he said about my life. What has God spoken to me? So what does it come down to for us? What what are we going to focus on? Jesus is saying something to me, but I still feel the circumstances are there. I know what God says, and I know what God's word says, and I know that God is good, but I actually haven't experienced yet that goodness in this area of my life. What's happening in that moment? I got a choice to make. Am I going to believe what Jesus says and start walking? Or am I going to stay there and argue? What am I going to focus on? Another story. Matthew chapter 14, another famous miracle story. This is the story of Peter walking, Jesus and Peter walking on the water. Matthew 14 verse 22 says this. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Does anyone ever feel like that? (laughs) You just get out there and you're like, hey, let's just go for a little sail here. And then you get out there and it's like everything rises up against you. And this is the way life can feel sometimes. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, I would say, and I know most of you are at home, is don't try this at home. Don't stand on the edge of your tub and be like, I'm just going to do it today because you're going to be sinking in the water, okay? (laughs) This is a miracle of Jesus that we would see. And then, so they saw him, but the disciples saw him walking the sea. They were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said this, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. In the middle of the storm. 
the wind and the waves are still happening. Now, there's another story where Jesus spoke and the wind and the waves stopped. But here we have Jesus walking out in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the wind blowing his hair back. And the rain happening and everybody getting rained on. And in the middle of the storm, the withness of God, that God is with us. He speaks to us, do not be afraid. And right now, every day, when we watch the news, we have a choice. When we hear something, we know God's word says something else. What are we going to choose? Well, I just, it would just be easier if the rain stopped, God, you know, we could just tone down the rain right now. It would just be so much easier for me to believe. Yeah, but this is actually when we need to believe. This is when we need to, the, what words am I choosing to act on? What words am I allowing to have the greatest substance in my heart? God, God is saying something to me. Am I going to grab onto that? Am I going to trust what he's saying? Now faith is the substance. See, we can give substance to fear. We can watch the report and then that fear could just get so big. It could just, you could almost touch it. Can't you? You can almost touch the fear. But then there's other words to think about. There is the eternal word of God, the eternal ways of God, the thoughts of God that we can choose, that God actually wants us to choose. So here he is in the middle of the storm. And he says, take heart as I do not be afraid. I don't have to be afraid right now. We don't have to be afraid right now. God is here with us in the middle of the storm. And Peter answered him, Lord, If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus is kind of stuck here, right? He's like, is it you? He's like, well, it's me. He said, come. So Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So, what happened with Peter? It's the same thing that happens to you and I. You know, it's so easy to get down on Peter, right? He, he speaks, you know, puts his foot in his mouth all the time, and he says the wrong thing at the wrong time. Anybody like that? Anybody like that watching? I occasionally do that in my own life. He had some boldness, though, to step out. But what happened to him? What was the unbelief that Jesus was describing? He he had the opportunity in the moment, in the middle of the storm, to keep his eyes on Jesus. But what happened? He got his eyes off of Jesus, and he started looking at the circumstance. Started looking at the wind and the waves and the storm. And man, we have this choice every day in every circumstance, big and small. What am I going to choose to look at in this moment? Because what I concentrate on controls my life. Because I could just, I could look at the storm. We can look at the storm and focus on the storm and that could just grip us. But in the middle of the storm, the Lord is there and he's speaking to us from his goodness and from his love and from his grace 
and he's calling out to us. And in the middle of the storm, he's reaching out to us with his hand. Why? Because sometimes we feel like we're sinking. We feel like it's too much to handle. But like the first verse that we read today, man, he's going to steady us. And we have that choice to reach out to the steady hand of God. How real are the distractions of our lives? They're so real. And all of us face different distractions. We all have a common one right now that we're all dealing with. But the question is for all of us, as I'm living my life, what is the distraction that I'm facing? What is the thing that's pulling me away from the thing that God has already said to me? What is the, what, what is the distraction that's leading me away from the peace that God is offering to me? Because what we concentrate on controls our life. And it's so easy for us to get off track with the destruction. And so the question is, what are we going to focus on? Colossians chapter three, verse one says this. If you then have been raised with Christ, it's talking about us, Christ followers. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And what this is talking about is not talking about can't look at our friends or something. It's not what's being discussed. Just the, the, that God, that Christ is at the right hand of God, that we would set our eyes on the highest thing, which is God, that we would focus on heavenly things, that we wouldn't get our minds and our eyes down on the circumstances that are surrounding us. Because what can happen? We could start to sink in the middle of that. But God wants us to focus on heavenly things, the place of God's dwelling, where his words are and where his ways are and where his grace is and where his peace is and where his forgiveness is and where his healing power is. And what are we doing in the midst of all of that? We are positioning ourselves to receive the power of God. We are making room for the miraculous to happen in our lives as we focus our attention on him. In the middle of the rain, in the middle of the circumstances, this is actually where we need it the most. When it's calm, it's calm. But in the storm, it's that's when we need to set our eyes on Jesus. Focus on him. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says this. Last verse, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, God, is an everlasting rock. He is the one that steadies us. He is the sure foundation. He is the one that doesn't move. When everything else is moving, he is the one that doesn't move. When everything else is bad, he is the one that's good. When everything else is hard, he offers us his grace. Hey, are you sinking in the waves? I'm reaching out to you with what you need. We have a choice in that moment. We have a choice. Are we going to believe what you say and walk towards the fulfillment of what you have given us? 
We're just going to stay and be like, yeah, but God, yeah, but God, yeah, but God, yeah, but God. No, I want to believe what you say. That I can rely on you. That I can put my trust in you. That I am persuaded that you are my savior and that you are good and you love me. And you're the one that offers me your hand in the midst of the storm. In the midst of the difficulty, I know that I can always reach out to you because I know that you are good. Thank God for his word today. Let's just pray. God, we are so thankful for your word today. We're so thankful, Lord, that it steadies us in uncertain times, that you are our rock, that you are our cornerstone. God, we put our trust in you today. We rely on you. God, we are persuaded about your character and your nature and your goodness and your love and all of who you are. God, we reach out to you today and we receive what you are saying to us. We we reach out and we grab hold of your hand in the midst of the storm. God, we say we trust you. God, we love you because you are so good to us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are watching in your homes today or wherever it might be, and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with God, the gospel, the good news is all about Jesus. That he came, the scripture tells us, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, and God raised him from the dead so that we could actually have a relationship with God for ourselves. We don't have a relationship with God because we're perfectly moral people because we aren't. And we don't have a relationship with God because we offer God our version of religion. God doesn't accept any religion. God offers us a relationship with himself. And all we have to do is say yes to that relationship. All we have to do is say yes to the gift that he gives us of his righteousness. Righteousness just means right standing with God. So wherever you are today, We're actually going to pray here in this room together. We invite you to pray along with us. Or maybe you're watching and you kind of feel like, you know, you're distant from God. Or you might be angry with God because of the circumstances of life. But we talked about the goodness of God today. You know, God is not mad at you today. God invites you close to himself again. You pray along with us as well. So everybody here in the room, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's pray this out loud together. God, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and lived a sinless life and he died on the cross. God, and you raised him from the dead so that I could know you and I could have a relationship with you. So God, today I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow in your ways. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if that is you today and you are watching, we would love it if you were to email us at info at thecitychurch.ca. We would actually love to send you some materials uh, to help you on your journey of faith. And also, if you live in the area, when we are able to meet physically again, we invite you to be part of our church family. Uh, We gather at 9 and 11. Um, Whenever Sunday we are allowed to do that, you can be watching our social media and our website for when our next live gathering is. 
but we have some great things coming up for us as a church. Um, just some ways that we're going to be able to meet some needs here online in the next little while. And this host will be telling you those details. Thank you for watching. Having an, have an amazing day. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.